Free Your Mind is a podcast show that covers a range of topics from buzzing media headlines, hot trends on social media space, music, and social issues. Myself and a group of co-hosts will meet to give our hot, sometimes unfiltered opinions on and takes on these issues. We are hosted by the Gold Coast Report. Find us on your favorite podcast player and follow us on Twitter at GCR Free Your Mind and on Instagram at The Gold Coast Report. We also have a website, thegoldcoastreport.com, where you can find other podcasts on our network. Hi, guys. Welcome to another episode of Free Your Mind. My name is Kumo, and um, I'm here alone today with two guests. Maya couldn't make it. Today is going to be a politically intense discussion. Um, we all know we have like a week more to election, which is on the 7th December. Um, this episode would center on the general election and other things that will come off. I'm with two guys who are very, very well versed in political education and have political affiliations themselves, if I need to. Maybe they don't need to tell you, but I think listening to the episode, you figure out where they belong to on each side. So, um, Tego, can you introduce yourself to the people? Hi, my name is David Tego, um, student of Ghana School of Law. Um, I'm an entrepreneur looking to be an investor. But, uh, my handle is Mr. Tego. Um, NY, if you could take. Hi. Yeah. My anything. name is Na- My name is Nanaya Abwating. Currently, an MPL candidate in religion and human values at the University of Cape Coast. Uh, my handle on Twitter is at NY Abwating. Yeah. So Charlie, you guys know we have two powerful people. We have <laughs> MPL candidates and investors. And you, you can hit Tego up. The handle is at. Mr. Tego Jr., right? If I'm not wrong. He's an investor. So, yes, yes, yes. Charlie, if you want to see him, yeah, if you have anything, you can hit him up on his Twitter. And um, let's get quickly into it. Actually, this is the second time Mr. Tego is on the podcast. And we are grateful to have him again. Um, this is the first time for NY and many more times. Um, let's get straight into the episode. Oh yes, today I'm coming to free my mind and I'll free your mind and I'll free my mind because at the end of the day, when the issues happen, we need to free our mind. 2020 elections, Charlie. It's been what, four years of waiting and it's only just a week more to have the 2020 elections. The whole year struck with COVID and everything. So I want um, our, our guests to give us just a quick general overview of the elections, general opinions on manifestos from both sides. Um, what possibly you think the outcome of the presidential elections? And then we'll top it up with a general, maybe landscape in relation to the policies of them. So yeah, David Tego, if you can take us away with that. Okay, so let me delve in. Um, I think the elections are historic. I didn't think they were going to be historic in a few years. I mean, probably 2018, because um, so far in the fourth public, almost every political party has been given an ATM mandate to govern. 
So I felt this was going to follow the regular, you know, eight year. But um, this particular election should be different from 94 when Kufo was seeking re-election. I think this particular election should be closer and also keenly contested. Um, I think this election, people are voting based on different reasons. And um, I think we've had both parties exhibit a large manifesto. When I say large manifesto, I'm talking about in terms of the, the input of the manifesto and also how they've been able to advertise the manifesto and brand manifesto. So we're having for the first time, I mean, the facts can be checked. We're having both political parties have an elaborate manifesto on jobs, on housing, on health, on the economy, on corruption, everything. I think both parties have a good manifesto, a manifesto that speaks the present issues as we have now. Both manifestos are addressing Ghana in the next four years. In the past, we had probably 2020, but both manifestos, if you look at the NDS manifesto, the book with a big push addressing our infrastructure deficits, look at the regional development banks, look at the cocoa sector, look at the Galamse issue, vis-a-vis -vis Nanado's four more years, which is continuing from his um, his 1D, 1F, his free SHS, his elaborate planting for food and So I think this election, mainly we have both political parties exhibiting a large manifesto for all to see. The question is that are voters going to vote based on manifestos? Honestly, I don't think so. I think we are inching closer, but we haven't gotten there yet as a people. Because if it was about manifestos, in certain points in time, some political parties should have won elections. But clearly, I don't think it's all about manifesto. Even though that's the blueprints, that's that's what, why we are pushing the political parties. And um, I think this election, we have a lot of first-time voters. Um, I'm still looking for the exact figure, but look, like we have a lot of um, first-time voters, looking at the numbers and where they end. I, I, I think um, we, could, we could juxtapose, sorry not to interrupt you, but I think that we could juxtapose, juxtapose the absolute figure of first-time voters to probably maybe the SHS. Um, like the yes, SHS yes, we could, yes. A lot of yes. registration in that sector. In the secondary school, yes. Yeah. But yes, yes, yes. I think we have a lot of first-time voters, you know, and, and, and it will be interesting to know what's is there, or what will be the rationale for voting? But all in all, I think is barring COVID is 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 a tense electoral season, which I didn't think two years ago we we're going to have a tense electoral season. So that is my overview of the election. Okay, are you going to give us your possible outcomes, or that that is something you think you want to keep to yourself? But possible outcomes, as American other elections have shown, I don't think I, mean, I don't want to give possible outcomes, especially for the presidential because. So um, I'll just keep that. Okay, now. okay. I guess it makes a lot of sense because I think um, election by far has really moved from shining the spotlight on presidentials to parliamentary figures. I think that's going on. That's how like our 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 elections are smooth because people really concentrate on their constituencies and things. But yeah, NY, what's what's your overview of? this 2020 elections? For me, this election is about two alternatives. An alternative that is telling you, I am doing A, B, C, D. Give me 
another thing to continue doing ABCD for you. And maybe I'll add EFGH. Then you have the other side or the other alternative. I know there are about 12 people vying for the presidency, but Como, you and I know that at the end of the day, it's going to be that NPP or NDC who is going yeah, to win. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves with the other 10 contestants. <laughs> now, the, then the other alternative is, I've been there before I messed up. Give me the opportunity to correct my mistakes. And these are the things uh, I am bringing on board. Looking at the NDC manifesto, David, David pointed it out, issues like the big push that addresses issues on infrastructure, uh, the free primary health care and all those things. So it's about what the Ghanaian electorate would want. Do they want a continuation of what they are currently experiencing or they want a change and bring back what they have experienced before? Now, here is my personal opinion as to you ask David his general overview when he was like, he would keep it. I am not going to make a general overview, but I am putting myself in line for all other Ghanaian voters. Mm -hmm. If you look at the NDC manifesto, for example, the big push, which talks about infrastructure deficit. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very good policy. But here lies the case. We've been there before. Let's be honest. What happened to Hope City? Nothing. We, yeah. we, we, you get, you get my point. We've yeah. been there before. We've been there before. What happened to Hope City? And also, one thing I have thought about in these times is the fact that, especially in this COVID era, is the fact that times and seasons are changing. Patterns are changing. There are certain things that would have been very good, say, five, six years ago. But in today's world, it wouldn't look so lucrative to convince people to vote for you. You record, you used to record this podcast in a studio, mm -hmm. but today you are doing it online. Why? Because you can't meet. Yeah, so true. you realize that, you realize that on issues on infrastructure, for example, there are certain aspects of infrastructure that would not convince people to vote, especially in the current climate that we are in, that people are working remotely. Roads, very good. Schools, not so much because people are teaching online now. So, as I said earlier, it's about two alternatives. An alternative of let me continue what I am doing currently and let me come back and correct my mistake. But the, the ultimate decisions lie within the powers of the Ghanaian voter. What they actually want. That is my general overview. Okay, I guess that um, with our listeners listening to your emphatic introduction, they would assume where your powers lie in terms of <laughs> in terms of who you want you want to choose an alternative and then all of that. And Charlie, you know my view about that. Um, but yeah, go on. Let's no no, no we'll, we'll get we'll get into that. Don't worry, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. I am I am a moderator, so. I don't want to get into sure. the base of that, but those bits will come out when we are going on with our discussion. Um, Tego, um, I mean, we've had two powerful introductions, um, but I want us to get into this interesting topic, the political landscape. Um, it's just been 20 years, and I mean, in, in, in relative to time, 20 years really no be that much. 
but we've seen our political landscape change over time. I mean, we've not gotten there fully, but we've seen some change in terms of what people want and what people want government to do. This is for you, Tego. Do you think that we've really made progress with the kind of things we demand for um, from our politicians in terms of like the general political landscape? Is this something that we should sit today and say, oh, we are proud of the way the political landscape landscape is shaping up and, and, and the kind of thing people want? Or is it a thing that just happens in the cities? Because you have people make comments like, you guys think an um, election happens only in Accra. And it, it, it's become a thing of where um, the main cities, probably Accra, Cape Coast, and Kumasi are the people who are sort of driving political change. But generally, it is still the same thing as supposed to 1996. Do you think that that is the case, Tego? Um, I think it's a multifaceted. This is a multifaceted question. Um, I think this is this 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 question probably has for thesis in one of the institutions in Ghana. But I look at this from maybe two or three different points of view. Um, from 1992 till now, yes, our party democracy has evolved, has improved. Um, we have more representation, more people being represented in terms of numbers in parliament, in terms of contesting for elections. We have a female presidential candidate, we have a female vice presidential candidate, we have more women in parliament on that scale. It's not where we want, but inclusiveness, yeah, we, we need to bridge that gap in terms of our political system. Um, so a governor system, because you look at the MPs, you look at the district assemblies, you look at the number of people, persons getting involved in assembly work. With that, yes, I will say that. Um, but like every other society, it has its skills, and there are two main things that we are, we are addressing. That's the politics of insults and the politics of money. These are two things I would have wished that we hadn't dwelled too much on because we have looked at our past. We've come from the tasks. We've gone through struggle. Or if we are African country, you know, someone to tax a third world. I feel like we could have done away with those things, political insults, because we need to get to a stage to develop quickly compared to the other democracies that have been in existence. They have, they can afford that kind of banter in, in, in their of development. If you look at the pal how Parliament is conducted in the UK, you cannot just suppose that to Parliament here because if somebody does that, people are going to say, hey, you insulted me and watch of respect. But I feel like we mix that you know, politics of insult, politics of money. You know, we have a lot of people coming into politics for money, these are the change that they want to be remembered for, or the legacy or the improvement of the country. So those are the two ills that I would I would say has hampered and has even shaped our political landscape. Aside that, yes, politics is mainly at the grassroots level. Then again, everywhere, every region and what concerns them. But I think that because of also the advocates are being held accountable, you know, people would buy your tapes, people would, you know, would bring back articles or things that you said a few years ago. 
So I think that people are being held accountable because of technology. Now people can refer to what you said. That is why I said we have two manifestos that have been well taught because everybody's saying, hey, you said you do this. Hey, you said you do that. So based on those premises, yes, that's how I think a political I, I want to touch on a, a very interesting part of your your thing that you said, and it has to do with the reason why people enter into politics. And and, and why I, I want to give you this. Let me give an example. Um, I mean, we, we, we saw what happened in um, in, in, in the NSAS protest, and we were aware of whatever thing that happened at the end of the day. Now, personally, my take for that is, and this is going to segue us into the next thing that I want us to talk about. My take from that is I feel the youth is not really interested in politics. And um, that is due to a number of factors. I can't really touch on everything, but I think that the main factor is that there is a big gap between the very old who are in politics and then the very young who need to be interested in politics but also i think that things that go on make people very disinterested in politics um how the older generations who are already in politics handle political discourse or political um, discussions as david tego has said the politics of insult and um, also another motivating factor where people go into politics not to serve, but as a way to make extra money. So then when they come in, it's, 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 it's more like, let me just do something small for them and then, and then, and then get out. As two very young people who are like interested in politics, do you think that with the current feeling or the current apathy very young people have against politicians? And why do you think that it's, it will set up a good path for us looking into future politics. Do you think that it will come a point in time where people are not so interested in politics that it will be difficult to even get somebody to run who really wants to work? Or is it going to be a group of people who are just in politics just to make money and then get out of it? What do you see the future of politics for this country? Me, uh, with the current happenings that David pointed out, I think we have two, we have two, we can make a good capital out of it or a bad investment out of it. Now, the good capital out of it is the fact that coming, upcoming politicians would then, will now realize that people are going to hold them accountable for anything that they do. So let's take it this way. If you have, say, 500 people and even 100 people are interested in politics and they are going to hold you accountable, it is better than having 400 people who are interested in politics and not going to hold you accountable, like we've had over the years. Mm -hmm. the, the, the discussion is that of late, most of the upcoming people, the youth, do not have interest in politics. Yes, they do not have interest in what I call partisan alignment or partisan politics. But they have interest in nation building. We, sh we shouldn't forget that politics doesn't only relate around partisan alignment. Politics itself is about nation building. So if 
I am not interested in joining party A, party B, but I'm interested in how damaged the road leading to my house is. I am interested in politics. So whoever is responsible, I'll hold you accountable. And you see, David mentioned uh, something on technology. Right now, the scope and knowledge of people right now has improved compared to 20 years ago in 2000. Right now, with a click of a button on your phone or your laptop, you know what is happening in your country. 10, 20 years ago, you had to wait for newspaper review on a radio morning show to hear what is happening around the country. So, though people are not really aligned politically, they have interest in nation building. They know what is happening. They know which government official has embezzled state funds. They know which government official is working and who is not working. And we see that a lot on social media. People coming for their members of parliament. You see, when you look at the Ghanaian society, it's a typical African society. That's, that thrives on communality. So, realistically, everyone or everybody should have been interested or should be interested in nation building from the political party basis. But here lies the case that those there already are not setting good examples for the upcoming ones. David mentioned politics of insult, money. A lot of people enter politics because of money, not because they want to say, but that shouldn't have been it. But that is how we've made it. So the point is, people are not interested in the partisan aspect of politics. But the main aspect of politics, which is nation building, people are still interested in that. Because there isn't a single Ghanaian youth I know who isn't concerned about our health system, who isn't concerned about our educational system, who isn't concerned about our infrastructure deficit. I am here to meet one. Maybe you might know someone who isn't concerned about. You definitely meet someone who is concerned at least about one of these one things. One or two things, too. Yes, because at the end of the day, no matter what, one of these things will affect you directly or indirectly. So the fact that you are concerned means you are interested in the politics. Just that the partisan alignment is for most people. Mm. Um, building up on what NY said, now he is talking about the politics of um, partisanship and not the politics of national building. But the facts of the issue is that we are leaning more towards the former than the latter. The politics of partisanship is more rife among the populace. I'm not going to say young people, the populace, than the politics of national building. Do you think this is this is very dangerous for us as a people? I think it's very dangerous because NY, I, 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 I agree with the first point that he said. I think people are interested in nation building. Um, I would also pinpoint to advocacy. Um, I think people are interested in out because I think from whichever political divider you belong to, you want to drive on a good road. At least if you're going to the hospital, you want to sit there and get the best of care because if you're, if you're NDC, NDP, these things will affect you. But unfortunately, I think people are quick to tag people. And because people are quick to tag people, people cannot bring out their views because everybody would crowd you out in terms of I am an NDC or MPP member. And I think this road of parties even is bad because nobody wants to wait for the other. Everybody says that, oh, do differently, do this differently. But I think deep down, people don't want to do things differently. 
that is even hampered our, um, our fight against corruption. And I feel sad, and, and because I think it's affecting my generation, our generation, because maybe we will be, we will have, we would be bold enough to speak out. But people cannot speak out if their political parties are doing something bad that they do probably not log on to Twitter. And I feel like we are copying what the older generation have done. They've said that's right in some aspects, but look, look at in terms of development. Have we developed to that extent that you can you can call somebody out because he belongs to party A or party B? And look, I, I keep asking myself, I'm, I mean, I've done business. When I go to a public institution, I'm not happy about how I'm treated as a Ghanaian because I work in the same building as a foreigner and a foreigner is giving professional treatment. Now, all these things boil down to us nation building as a people. If we had a correct or a more vibrant society, systems will work. And if systems work, irrespective of the political party, I think people want to live a decent living. So partisan politics hasn't served as well because we haven't developed to that point. If we had developed well, then I can say that when you throw in the partisan politics, what irrespective of whatever party, I understand that you don't have any ill motive, you know, because you are you are you are speaking on behalf of NDC on behalf of MPP. Look, in London, in America, and you know, people switch political parties every single time based on how they feel. I can decide to be a Democrat today, tomorrow I can be a Republican. Donald was a card-bearing Democrat for years. He, he donated he donated to their campaign. He's a Republican, he's been president of the Republican Party. When he was standing, did somebody did somebody tell him, ah, you know, Trump, you're, you're a Democrat? Nobody said that because he's a liberty. But I feel like with a lot of things in Ghana, we haven't developed to a point. Yes, we want to go down that route. So, you know, it's hampering because everybody's somebody's upset with you because you're an MVP guy. I mean, I haven't seen the NY's handle, but I've seen what even people have said towards NY. Hey, this guy uh, straight and MVP super doesn't have any sense. You know, I feel like, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I mean, I mean, that's like, but that's not a very enjoyable banter. I mean, and you see, and look, and even look for any people to be triggered by that 700 because I've seen NY tweets, he's jammed on, he's laughed at that. But the others who have taken a very personal for themselves, you know. By saying that and people think that they're being bold. You see, and that's a funny thing because if we had developed, that should be better. But people think, and even the funny thing is that I can understand why they have said because people actually believe that it's true that people are being paid 700 yeah. CDs. So I feel like yeah, you know, yeah. people tag them, and I feel like because we haven't developed to extent, it's dangerous because look, people in this country have been sad. People in this country have lost their jobs. Look, on my way driving here to do this podcast. I was having a conversation with my mother. Even she was disturbed that we having this podcast. Look, I look, my mother is 62. Even she is disturbed because everybody, and even this is even though this is a social free speech era, because of the polar, uh, polarization in this country, because of the partisan nature, she's even disturbed about what to yeah, say. What because she doesn't want to be tagged because people don't because people don't understand that when I speak up, I'm speaking up because I want a better Ghana. I'm not speaking up because I want to, I, I, I want to make money. I mean, if I want to make money, I'll, I'll just keep quiet and follow some political talks. That one is easy. Yeah. It's easy keeping quiet to make money. But I feel like people understand, look, when somebody speaks up, he's not speaking up because he wants money. But I also don't blame them because, you see, the predecessors have used people and they use the youth. The youth are the easiest caliber group of sets of people to be used for their political ideology. They use you, they dump you, and then you have, you have tarnished your reputation. So, you know, because I feel like, Every, even in every aspect, even in church, there's politics. 
You can't hide away from it. Yeah, you can't. You can't. Yeah. Oh, you see, everywhere, wherever there is a kind of power struggle or there is leadership exactly. struggle, there is politics in there. But they, 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 I agree with David a lot on the part of how we've set up the partisan politics, where the older, no, you see, the people talk about going through the mill. But when they say that and you ask them what's going through the mill, serving, what is servitude in Ghanaian politics? They tell you, oh, we, we, we want you to do X, Y, Z to A, B, C, D for us. Exactly. And that is not the way to go. Just today, Kobo, this is just by the side. Just today, I think I saw an old graphic about uh, a statement uh, Professor Ahoy made about uh, what came to be known in Ghanaian political circles as babies with sharp teeth that he said they catered to. Yeah, Ukuja to and the rest. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You see, quite these are yeah. those people, the, the former president may so rest in peace, tagged as babies with sharp teeth. These are now the fine gentlemen in our political, one of the finest gentlemen in our political space. But you see, that tag is still on. Whether what Professor Hoy said is true or not, because of how they spoke about the former president, whether whatever Professor Hoy said was true or not, people can go back historically, look at what these gentlemen said, and say that then Professor Hoy is not, not lying. No, then, then they make they, they make an informed opinion. What has become of our body politics? The fact that we can just find gentlemen or people, train them, just be more or less attack dogs for others you do not side with politically. When you do that, you are killing people's interests generally in politics. It is one of the many reasons why most of these upcoming aside leaders taking us for a ride is one of the many reasons why people do not have much interest in partisan politics. Like David was saying, you say something and people jump on you that, oh, you there, you are this, you belong to party A, you there, you belong to party B. So whether what you are saying is true or not, you get attacked. So mm -hmm. to avoid being attacked, I wouldn't even talk. True. You get it. True. True. I, I want to touch on one of the few things that has been extensively, I feel extensively talked about, and even in relation to the, the statistics relating to the voter turnout in this election. Now, I think this is not really so much news because I guess um, over time, the voter turnout keeps going down. But I guess there's a certain trend where people decide not to vote for fair reasons. There are people who we, 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 I want to call them centrist because I think that's the appropriate word I could get for them. There are people who for one reason or the other, barring the party politics in this country and the, the, the man, looking at manifestos of both party, parties and also based on on um, promises filled or delivered, prefer not to vote. They call themselves centrist. For one reason or the other, they are disappointed because maybe their party did something, maybe they voted for one party and the party didn't do what they expected them to do. So they decided that in the next election, they would not vote. 
Now, there's been some back and forth on this. I would admit this year that I don't know what will happen to December 7th, but at the moment, I'm sort of on a centrist mood because, I mean, you, anyway, we've had this conversation before, and I've told you that yeah. based on um, 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 my policies, I would admit that in 2012, I voted for Mahama. That is something I will not, I will not deny. Now, in 2016, based on personal experiences and the fact that Akufuado championed the corruption, I felt he had a mandate to come and tackle this. And I voted based on preferences of corruption in 2016 for Aku Now, I am kind of right now on the fence. That, and that's why I've said, I don't know what will really happen prior to December. Maybe I might decide, okay, let me go and vote. I want to find out, starting with you and why. Um, what your opinions are on about electorate participation, personal opinion or your general opinion about people who take a centrist stand, people who decide that they are not voting. Because... Constitutionally, it's not right, but experientially, but based on personal experiences, they may be justified. Using your own scenario as an example, mm. in 2012, we had a reason for voting Mahama for Mahama. He disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. 2016, you had a reason for voting for Kufado. He has disappointed you. In terms so, of what I wanted to vote for. Yes. Yeah. So the constitution states, uh, uh, David is in law school. If I'm lying, he will tell me. Explicitly says that any Ghanaian 18 years and above and of sound mind should vote in a, an election. So constitutionally, you are supposed to vote. But based on your experiences, you decide not to vote. That is you. Personally, I don't have issues with centrists. I do not have any, because life as we know it is based on it. We, we take decisions based on experiences we have, pre previous experiences. So mm -hmm. if based on experiences, people decide not to vote, you can't really begrudge them. But in another angle or in another aspect of it, where I have issues with these people is the fact that most of them tend to be the most demanding of elected officials. And this, that, in that case, my opinion is, if you, did, did not, if you did not take part in the process that puts the person there, you do not have any right to complain. Do you get my point? Yeah. We, 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 are, we, are, we are taking a decision on what to eat. We are a group of friends. Uh, this is my analogy. We are in the house. We are taking a decision on what to eat. Mm -hmm. Everybody is making an input. Mm -hmm. I decide not make an input. If the food turns out bad, my opinions about it should be put in a gutter somewhere because I opted not to participate in, in it. Mm -hmm. So whatever the outcome is, I shouldn't complain. But to me, I see that they complain a lot. Yes, you can complain, but at the end of the day, nobody gives a hoot because when we are taking the decision, when we are making the decision to put leaders in there, you decided to opt out. And that was your own personal decision. Though I do not be I, I, I do not begrudge people of their personal decisions, but I think it becomes a bit annoying when they decide that yes, I won't vote, but I'm going to hold you accountable. You did not take part in the process. That alone should disqualify you from making any kind of comment, not comment, but trying to hold those leaders accountable. Mm -hmm. You are not part of the decision making. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. So that's my opinion of our sentence. Okay. All right. Before I come to David, um, I mean, um, as I said earlier, anyway, me and you have had this conversation, and I, yes. I guess I, I said that at this point, if I, I don't vote, I really do not care. But um, I guess also the facts, the what, what I, I don't think this. I think this is an observation I've made over time that we sort of pin voting as the only viable thing that we can do in this democracy and that that personally shocks me i i maybe i don't have the the, the range to know the facets of democracy because that isn't my forte or that isn't something i'm looking to but it looks like votes it looks like voting in ghana is the only way because you have people in parliament always telling you that if you have an issue with me then wait for four years and i feel like accountability in itself shouldn't be something that should be pinned to voting that is my personal opinion i feel like it should i know constitutional rights yes and Kung, i know i know you i know you asked ny to come in but let me just jump on, yeah. on what you All said right. Right. Um, oh, but I think over the over the twenty years pandemic that forced we've had other things that have shaped our democracy, even surely through voting. I think the demonstrations that we've had have led to changes. I'll, I'll give it up for any those and drop that chamber. If you look at the let my vote count, Abu Ramadan, I mean, it, it, it transformed into a land mark legal case in terms of who is in, in terms of having uh, um, your ID cards. Even the political landscape has shifted in terms of how people have followed proceedings at the Supreme Court. So it hasn't necessarily been about the voting because at the end of the day, like everyone said, there's all nation building. Voting forms part of the block to nation building, but advocacy is key, representation is key, um, demonstrations are key, whether we like demonstrations or not, they are key, press freedom is key. I feel like things have also happened. Just that our only plus resource that is uh, the vote is the way it takes while. That is the only thing, because when somebody with he takes everything in terms of the executive, in terms of controlling the legislature, that is the in, in itself is where we haven't been tested. Because imagine if NDC wins presidential and MPP is in parliament. What, what, what happens for the next four years? I think we got a little glimpse of that under Lilman, which showed which was even problematic. But maybe when our democracy advances to an extent that we have one one party ruling the like what we have in America, one party leads the democracy and the executive, one party leads the legislature, then we'll see as a people. But I, I think the main problem is the winner takes so. Aside the winner takes so, in the last 20 years, we've had, we've had other things that have, that have shaped the democracy. All right. So, so come on, yeah, let me add up with what David, yeah. what David landed. You realize that he, he brought in nice examples of things that augment the, our democracy, not mm -hmm. only relying on elections. But, but as he said, elections become the ultimate it becomes the ultimate because it is the only legal way you can change or choose leaders as per our current constitution but there are other means 
where you can hold leaders accountable. He spoke, he spoke about demonstration, advocates, and we've seen a lot of demonstrations, especially post-2008. Let my vote count, occupy Flagstaff House, drop that chamber, okay. the doom so vigil. Yeah. You see, these things put leaders on their toes. They are very, they are, they are necessary aspects of our democratic process. Very, very necessary aspects of our democratic process. But the issue is that you cannot stage a demonstration every day. You cannot stage a demonstration every month. So you would have to wait and demonstrate through your ballots as the ultimate demonstration. You get my point. Yeah, I get where you're coming from. So I'm yeah, there. Yeah, so um, I mean, I would want to touch up on the the the, the fact that um, a lot of people who sort of have centrist views hold leaders accountable. In my experience, I guess that the a part of being a centrist is that if somebody really is isn't the right person in your case, centrists are really motivated to vote the person out. So the only point, the point that I'm trying to make is, I think that in my personal opinion, I don't know about others. If centrists don't care, they really don't care. And I might vote in 2020, I might not. But if I don't, I would really not care to hold people accountable because granted there are anomalies to the rules there are people who actively not vote but will still complain because somebody is in but if a centrist really won't come out you he will go through that you see and that's what that's that's what's pain, painful because people who are who are swing voters like who change votes based on um policies especially like the youth are always embedded when people they brought in are always disappointing and based on the issues they voted them on let's 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 get into 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 the other segments of the episode where we are going to take um key battles that will be happening um, during the parliamentary elections the Electoral Commission announces that the presidential and parliamentary elections come off on Monday, 7th December 2020. From 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. The mandate of the Electoral Commission is to organize free, fair, and safe elections. So you need to note these things before going to your polling stations to vote. Your passport to vote is your voter's ID card. Never leave home without it. Go to your designated polling station with your voter's ID card. Remember, no nose mask, no entry. You will wash your hands under running water. Then, sanitize your hands before joining the queue, if any. You will observe the mandatory social distance in the queue. The officer at the first table will check to confirm that your name is in the voter's register, then pass you on to the second table. The second officer will validate your name using the biometric verification device, then pass you on to the third table. The third officer will give you the ballot for the presidential elections. You will go to the voting screen. Press your thumb on the thumbprint pad and thumbprint against the picture of your selected candidate. Remember, you will choose just one candidate. Fold the ballot paper, first vertically, then horizontally, then drop it into the ballot box marked presidential. The third officer will give you the ballot for the parliamentary elections. 
You will go to the voting screen and thumbprint against the picture of your selected candidate. You will also choose just one candidate. Fold the ballot paper, first vertically, then horizontally, then drop it into the ballot box marked parliamentary. Your little finger on the left hand will be dipped in the electoral stain to show you have voted. Your hands will be sanitized again. You will leave the polling station after voting. You can come back after five to observe the counting of the votes. Please note that you will not conduct yourself in a disorderly manner or cause trouble at the polling station. You will be arrested and prosecuted. Please remember, at all times, to observe all COVID-19 safety protocols at the polling station. Let's do our part and help the Electoral Commission conduct a clean, credible, free and fair election. The Electoral Commission, keeping democracy safe and sound. Taking um, our predictions. This one, Drew and uh, David Tego, you know, if you stand on the line, you for predict. So, NY to you for predict who will win because during the election, we are going to pick your predictions against the, what is going on. If you win, I'll personally give you an internet router. The NY. internet router, I'll steal it. I'm going to steal it. <laughs> NY, Don't worry, I'll steal it. NY and David Tego, anybody who wins, I'm going to personally send a person an MTN TurboNet router, fresh inbox. I'll steal it. This Don't is worry. <laughs> but elections, they're like, I mean, the listener just said, fear the league. So they will do our best. <laughs> fear electric. This time fear electric. Fear electric. But you David, there are some of the consequences if you look at things happening, you can easily say or tell what was going to happen after the after the election on the seventh. You can easily tell. Wow. Some okay. not so much, but the others very clear. You know it's more beneficent things you won't do for you, but yeah. Please, I'm not a beneficent, <laughs> I think. <laughs> but yeah, let's get to it. The first one. Um I also West Wagon. I also West Wagon covers a bit of, I think, Hacho, Islegon, and Varons. And this isn't a particularly swing seat, but we are really going to talk about it because I think that that's going to be the highlight on election day on Twitter because these two candidates, namely John Dumelo of the NDC and um, Lydia Alassan um, of the MPP, have been in my way or what I see on Twitter really, really working on the ground for their people. So a little bit of history. I think that the NDC won in 1996. And Charlie, since then, it's been, yeah. the, it's been the NDC. NPP. But cool. I, yeah. I think I read somewhere that even the 1996 election went to court. Oh, really? The, wow. For that constituency. Yeah, it went to court. David, David can confirm. I think it went to court. And they dragged the issue for about two or three years. Oh, and wow. at the final verdict even went in the NPP candidate's favor. Wow. But he decided okay. not to go back not to, to parliament. Back. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, well, that has an asterisk. But since 2000 to the last election, it's been the NPP's battle. Now, interesting thing about this um, constituency, Dumelo looks like he's been working. Lydia Alassanto looks like he's been working. For at least from what I see, I mean, Dumelo has been getting a backlash from Twitter, but I'll be Twitter with the votes. So I want to go in for your predictions, David Tego. Who do you think is going to take this constituency, and maybe a brief reason why you think that's going to happen? Um, I wanted to be on the fence on this constituency for various reasons, but I think that, um, aside and 
the NDC candidate won in 96. I can't recollect his name, but that election had a little bit of controversies because there were some parts of the constituency that hasn't been added that we have now then. Mm -hmm. But I think that aside Kwame Wadapo, John Dumelo is the best bet NDC has. And they've had in this constituency. I mean, I, I have a business in this constituency. I vote in this constituency. I'm on, you know, it constitutes many years to me. I, I probably call this constituency my second home. I'll probably buy a house in this constituency. But I am, it's a very, it's a very diverse constituency. We have the campus, which is a whole city on its own. Yes, we have, we have, the um, business yeah, class in yes we have their chains and ashantis that have made money that have bought houses in in in, in east Ligon. we have the affluent airways who are in east Ligon. we have the yeah. squatter camps in east Ligon. we have the squatters abolished so we have the squatters abolished but we even have a chief we have chiefs in east Ligon that people don't know we have a, a whole chief wow. in east Ligon. so east Ligon abolition has a chief you know, we have some gas settlers in East Ligon. It's a very diverse community, mm -hmm. a diverse constituency. I think the best bet NDC has is John Domelo. And um, what people don't know is that uh, Miss Lydia Alhassan is a political force. If you follow politics, the, um, the blessed Jaco would, would, would pay her tribute to, yeah. to him winning the seat together with party. I mean, I know the role Fima played on campus 2016 and the role Lydia has played. So she's not new. She's played a game. She understands the terrain. And I think the, the closest competitor ever she, NDC would have ever put is John Dumelo. Um, for what it's worth, I'd, I'd, I'd wish John Dumelo would have won the constituency because I think he's put in a lot. I think he's, he's especially he has engaged the youth in the community I think the lady has the, the lady has tried her best, but it's a predominantly NPP seat. I think the woman will pick the seat this year, and John Dumel will probably pick it up 2024. But I think Lydia picks it 2020. Yeah, and why? She edges, she, she, she edges John Dumel by by a seat. I mean, I think look, not being a suit, we'll probably have a few places that will recount in this constituency because even the last requirement where that could they have it, there, there was a few places that they recounted but i think it picks the seats okay and why what do you think what do you think uh, I, david has much insights about that constituency more than i do as he has explicitly explained mm -hmm. the variables that exist within that constituency the demographics and all those things i would pick it from the historical point of view i would want to look at why has the npp maintained that trend Yes. How, why has the NPP maintained that seat for 20 years now? Mm -hmm. So since 2000. So yeah. I, I, based on that alone, I would go for Lydia. But yeah. here are the issues. I'm taking points from what David said. You see, Le, Le, Honorable Lydia Larson has been with uh, Chief of Staff, Premier of Selpai, her late husband, Ejako. To, as David rightly pointed out, she's a political force. People only got to know her when her husband died and right. she was made parliamentary candidate, but they did not know that 
she has she has been, has been a, a force. So, so she belongs to the old block, old political block. Now, Dumelo presents himself or represents the new face of Ghanaian politician. So over here to the case, there's a there's a there's a, a two alternative issues. Should we stick with the old block person or let's give the new face a try? If you look at it this way, in Ghanaian elections, in, in Ghanaian voting pattern, it's almost very difficult for a new face to win unless that seat, especially presidential. But that how is many changing, times? But hey. It's changing, but that's changing I, I, on the parliamentary front. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll get there. I'll, I'll, I'll get there. Presidential. Nanado Dankwa went three times before winning. If you are adding the 2008 runoff, you'll be four times. Mm -hmm. Professor Mills, if you add 2000 runoff, it will be four times. Four. Okay. 2000, he went yeah. twice, 2004 yeah. and 2008. Yeah, four times. Jacob went twice. If you add 2000 runoff, it will be three times. Mm -hmm. Even for the parliamentary, that is that is changed. You realize that new faces win where the seats are very safe for the party that they belong to. Mm -hmm. New faces when where the seats are very safe for the parties that they belong to. New mm -hmm. faces do not really win where it's a swing constituency. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you are getting me, David. I get what you are so, saying. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm getting you. That's why I said that John Dumel is the best best because the things yeah. he has. The, 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 so, because look, if you look at even even on Twitter, John Jumelo moves a leader follows, but John Jumelo is not an incumbent. You know, he's kind of he has. I mean, leaders politically, uh, leaders campaign team will beg to differ. But I think even on Twitter, John Jumelo has led the campaign for the last two years. He has led, and I don't know if COVID is a blessing in disguise because I think for the first time, MPP would have split the votes on campus. I don't think NDC will win campus. But I think if we had a number of students registering, I think John Domelo would have probably chunked off a lot because MPP wins on campus easily. I think yeah. campus and one other part is the tipping point for yeah. them. But I think they would have been sweating if campus had a full complement of the students and they had registered in that constituency. Yeah, Trust me, John Domelo would have given the room a big run for their money. Now they don't have nobody has numbers on campus, but I think it favors MPP more. Been registered on campus because they are registered on campus. The the queues on campus were short. You know, usually campus is spicy, but I think that that would really serve in her favor if there was a full contract. What people think? Look, the guy has worked hard on campus. Okay, so David, uh, yeah. running up on Iowa so West Wagon, yeah. I think uh, the old block, the old political block, will come into play. For Lydia. Oh, yes. yes. Okay. She will, she will take Ayawa to West Wogo. Dumelo, Dumelo keeps the World Cup, and maybe 2024, he will have a big shot in taking the seat for NDC 2024. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. For me, honestly, all of these things that you people said, I'm not going to take it, but I just want Dumelo to win for the banter. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I'm not saying that day if you I go move for streets. See, the way people they abuse this nigga, <laughs> like in pay See, but you see, that's a funny thing. It, it, it make like it make like the it make like the, the episode where they talk even, about even, the Rollins thing. Like, why Rollins pay people they hold them accountable so and people know they hold other niggas accountable? Granted, he's 
giving him you know as like you become the figurehead. You, you get yeah, it? Yeah, but me banter wise, make him win. Make you just win for the no, but, uh, yeah. I mean, the funny <laughs> thing is that, you know, if, <laughs> I mean, yeah, because you see, and the funny thing is that people think it's going to be an easy race for the woman. Look, even she is even shaking the boots. I think yeah. she knows. But like I yeah. said, she's up for the tax because she understands. Um, Ejako had a rough, 2012 was easy for Ejako. He won by almost, look, they had to recount three polling stations. They had to recount three police stations. And I recall, I remember how the fees with letting people like people voted on camp on in, in on campus till about eight. There were people in their queue till about eight, nine. So you know, I mean, but let's see, let's see. Yeah, tell me in a few weeks' time. Make you win. If you win, then I will move mad for Twitter. Eh? You people die. Make you just win for banter. Make you just win for banter. That'd be all. So me, I'm choosing John Dumelo. <laughs> <laughs> and why if you win and you die <laughs> uh, yeah so let's move into the second constituency which is the adentan constituency or adenta adenta covers areas of adenta obviously and pantai and um for i think in 1996 it, there wasn't really that um, there wasn't an Adentan constituency. I think it was part of an old constituency. So actual voting started in 2004, according to the record, which the MPP took. In 2008, it went to the NDC. In 2012, they retained the NDC. And in 2016, that was when Boniface, or it wasn't Boniface, no, that was when the um, NDC MP was kicked out. So currently it belongs to the MPP. So there's been a two on two, 2008, 2012 for the NDC, 2004, currently 2016 for the MPP. What do you think this place is going to go? And it's uh, represented by Yaobua Ben Asamoa of the MPP and Adamu Mohamed Ramadan of the NDC. Guys, who do you think is going to take this concept and why? Uh, if you look best. at the historical antecedents of that constituency, mm -hmm. there is a clear definition that whoever wins presidential wins that constituency, dating okay. back to 2004. When mm -hmm. people took presidential, they won the constituency. Yeah. 2008, yeah, 2012, NDC presidential, they win that constituency. They won that constituency, sorry. 2016, MPP won presidential. They, so basically, you can, based on this, you can just say that whoever, they do not really do the skirt and blouse thing. If you are going, they go straight jacket. If you are voting for A or presidential, that from some of the things I have observed, especially on social media, more of the people, more of the constituents, they are not happy with their current MP. That is your I think Wabin's mm. biggest problem with delivering his duties as an MP has been the fact that he decided to go and take the role of NPP's national communications director. You see? Come on. It's being the communications director of the party in government is a huge task. You have to monitor all the people that represent you on the various 
media houses. Media houses. You are the one. Yeah, you are the one who allocate you. You are going on this radio station. You have this tax ahead of you, and you are an MP. So you 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 also you are all more or less the official mouthpiece of the party, the not party. the government. The yeah. party. It, it's a it's a huge tax. So you 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 increase your workload, and the, when your workload increases, the the probability of you losing focus on an aspect is very key. In that is the case, you are. Communication director of NPP. Your party people will not allow you to quote on unquote be lazy. Yeah. So you would then have to sacrifice one of your jobs. And what Yabuabia Samoa is sacrificing right now is his duties as an MP. Mm-hmm. So for me, that constituency looks very shaky for the NPP this year. Because that Ramadan guy I learned is related to the former PNC chairman. I don't mm. know how true it is. I am not so certain. I, and I, I learned he's gaining a lot of ground within that constituency. The constituency looks very shaky. But as the history goes, if the NPP is, is able to take the presidential again this year, then they would hope that the people go straight jacket and maintain your But if you are separating both, I think it's a very shaky constituency for the NPP. I call it a 50-50. Anybody can win. I'm not sticking my, my neck out. Okay, so you are calling now on this. You, you can't tell who yes. can win, you cannot. Okay, right. David Tego, do you take this? Can you predict who would win this? Um, I think Adenta is a very interesting place. Um, I'm, that's going to be in a new home briefly. I'm, I'm moving there. Um, like NY said, the parliamentary has gone the way of the presidential, but in the last election, um, Abu Ramadan had almost 600 more votes than John Dramani Mahama had. Um, I think I share the same view with NY. If Nana wins, Yababi will win. But I have a tiny feeling that you might go getting blouse. Yeah, Bambi hasn't been the strongest MP, but I also don't think Abu Ramadan too has been the strongest contender. That is why I think he might, you know, it's 50-50, but ah, it's 50-50. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. Like he said, if it goes away of the, because look, I mean, Adenta and a lot of Embrance had water for the first time in 2016, and yes, Jomahama still lost there. So, um, it's actually very, very yeah, I mean, the, 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 yeah, the gap was very small. I mean, it could go in, because what people don't realize is Adenta has a lot of rural parts in Adenta. Even though it's a cosmopolitan place, there are a few mm. rural parts. Yeah. So, I don't know that I haven't seen the data, especially to get the voter, the registration data in those rural parts, because then it tends to win those rural parts and split the votes along the, the urban parts of um, Adenta. So if we have a lot of rural parts registering more, most likely Ramadan will win. But I'll probably just go on the fence on this one. Okay. All right. So I think that Charlie. Again, Ramadan will win for the banter. So we move. This is what I'm telling you the expect after December 7th. <laughs>
December 7th, Tweet Deck, we are the open. I will open hey, hey. it up. <laughs> we are going to move to people there. Because I feel like, Charlie, people, they really, really... No, after, after December 7th, I'm going... After December 7th, I'm going off Twitter. No, Yawa, I know, but... I'm going off Twitter, unless you call me on phone. <laughs> bro, people, they move with some overconfidence. Where they shock me, but Charlie, I guess... I like the fact that election these times have a, a, a way of shocking people. And I always like that factor. 2016, it was a huge shock. Huge shock. And I feel like that is how it will go. Look at the American elections. Bro, then... So, yeah. Mokusi, talking about shocks, let's go into the Botiano English Amafro constituency, which is my constituency. Um, that also has had I think the constituency was just capped in 2012 and uh, was just created in 2012. So they've had just two elections with the 2012 going for the NDC and then the 2016 going for the MPP. Interesting thing about this constituency, I think that the current MPP um, MP is not the one who won the primary. So there's a new person who is contesting this in the name of Sylvester Tete, who is like the, I think the MD of National National Youth Agency or something, one of those agencies is the MD. And he's standing against Alexander Akwaku of the NDC. We've just had two elections in this neighborhood. Fun fact, um, I don't know whether you saw the tweet about Joy FM talking about the um, wager um, broadcasting road, which I hopped on and consistently complained about that it looked like the guy wanted votes. That's why he came to do the road and was bad. Um, I think going forward, they've taken the contract from the person, which I think is a good initiative. They've given it to somebody else. And I, I see the person coming to do feasibility studies. And But hey, let me not make it about myself. Let me ask David Tego who he thinks is going to win this parliamentary seat? Um, straight, I think the MPP candidate will win. Um, Sylvester Tete has participated in elections in, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, who, I think who or something. Adan. Adan, yeah, Adan too. Adan, Adan. Pram, yeah. Pram, Pram, Pram. And Alexander Kwaku was Okanku North NDC candidate for the Kalishi North Kalishi. Um, environment. So this is this is not originally the seat. He's coming to a new terrain. Maybe he lives there. Maybe he grew up there. But yeah, he didn't. He this is his second attempt at a parliamentary seat in another constituency. Mm-hmm. Um, I think both guys are newcomers. I think what gives the MPP candidate an edge because he's in government. He's incumbent, and he's he holds a position that's. I think like Max Locke, I've held the view that they use it to score political points instead of advancing the I don't begrudge them. I mean, they have the state resources, they employ most people from their constituency. Mm-hmm. But anyway, they, they, those those employments will go a long way to you know to advance the development. Mm-hmm. Looking at the gap, MPP won the last election with uh, 26,000 and this is 19,000. So we are looking at a uh, a voter deficit that NDC has to make up of almost 8,000, you know, and I think that might be a little too steep for them. I mean, straight up, I'll, I'll, I'll go for Sylvester Tete. Okay. And why? What do you think about this? 
I'll call it for Sylvester. You wait. But okay. You, the gap might not be huge at eight thousand as it was in twenty sixteen. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I call for Sylvester. Okay, all right. Okay. Um, if you ask me initially, I would have called it for Akwaku, but I guess um, Charlie, the guy won't do the road, so. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, I mean that road, that road, that road, that broadcasting yeah. road. I saw your tear like what what I didn't know you stayed there until you said, Oh, this is my way. I like, oh, that is where the interest stems from. Yes, so if he wants to do the road, you vote for him also. No, no not that, <laughs> but you know, there's there's always been an issue about this road, even though Charlie for Banta Six make Aqua could just be in Bakersy for Banta. <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I guess um, yeah, I, I'm also standing for Sylvester Tete, and then uh, we we'll move to the next one, the next week's swing constituency, Crow. Crow is mainly Teshi, and it's an all-female constituency um, representatives, and it's being represented by Elizabeth Afolekwe of the MPP and Agnes Namomo Latte. Of the NDC, I actually checked on the Namomo girl, the Namomo woman. Sorry, and actually her, her campaign is really has a presence online. She has like an active website and all some other things. Um, Elizabeth Foliqui, I think, is like a minister, right? Is it, is it Aqua Minister or Fisheries Minister or something? And um, this is like the second time she. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fisheries. Yeah, and this I think this is like a second time of standing. She's the she's the um, current MP of the of of the area. The statistics are shown is that in 1996, 2008, and 2012, the NDC won, and in 2000, 2004, and 2016, the MPP won. Tego, who do you think is going to carry this constituency? Oh. It's a very interesting constituency. I mean, uh, the Teshi and the Teshi who are to some parts of Telma. Um, I have some parts of family that live there. And they'll tell you that we want somebody who is an indigent of the place. Uh, yeah. I think Momo didn't have time to campaign the last election because the person who, who was there was and Momo was thrown into the thick of affairs. I think she had time to. To, to campaign. I mean, Apole, she's had a very tumultuous tenure. Her tenure has been rough. <laughs> I don't think she's had an easy ride as an MP and as a deputy minister. If you recall, she wanted to close the, um, the fishing season, I think in 2018, mm-hmm. because she wanted a, the, they wanted to give the fish the seed to replenish. Mm-hmm. But I think she didn't go about it the right way. So, and she's, I mean, she's had access to pre-mix. She's had access to the facial foods, but I don't think she's their person. I'll stick my head out for Momo to, to try to see. NY, Momo for David Tego. NY, what do you think? Um, who do you think would, would, would take this? It's giving me identity vibes, as mm-hmm. in whoever wins the presidential carries the parliamentary. Mm-hmm. But... Before David even gave his submission, I based on my research I had, I had one thing down, and it, it, it's in alignment with what David said that the people wants an indigent. You see, 
if you look at the Crowell constituency, if you look at the areas involved, Keishi and its surroundings, you realize that it's purely a gun settlement. The, most of the electorate there are gun. So they would want someone of their own. So the demography of the, of the constituency will play a key role in who wins the constituency. And it being a fishing community, most, most of the people there being, being in the fishing industry, Afole's interaction, her relationship with the fisher folk will also play a role. Uh, David spoke about access to permits and when she wanted to close the fishing season in 2018, the issues that came up, it might go against her. But as I said earlier, the Adenta vibes would want me to say 50-50, but the probability that Momo of the NDC will win is high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's my take on that. Okay, so Momo, that's a surprising one. Interesting. All right, okay. <laughs> I didn't expect you. No, I didn't expect you to banter for the lady, but I guess also, Charlie, it's, it's still gaining on what um, David Tego said, the deterioration relationship between um, the uh, um, fisheries minister. And I feel like if it's very deterioration, then she really fumbled the bag because Teshi is predominantly a fishing community. Those people thrive on fishing. They, they... I mean, I just saw, I just saw somebody's I just saw somebody's I just saw somebody's tweet that Momo is I mean sorry Afole's campaigning now when the when there's supposed to be no campaign <laughs> that should show you that she knows that she's 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 losing yeah. her grip on yeah. the on the yeah. seat. I just saw a tweet. Somebody said it's campaigning when there's no campaigning now. So you know. Wow. So yeah, I guess Charlie, but those people don't mess up with the things that gives them their livelihood don't mess up exactly. with that. Don't it's, not, it's up. not just those people everywhere yeah, yeah. What, yeah. what 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 puts bread on people's table don't mess up with yeah, it yeah especially yeah so charlie i guess based on the facts that um all of you guys said you know as a moderator I me mean, i'm here for banter so i'm going for a folly a folly a folly mugabe she's going to win again and um yeah She's going to put peers on all you, man. We never bought. We never bought. We never bought. <laughs> so Afole is going to win again. And yeah, um, let's move into the... I'm saving the best for last, too. So I'll, straight, I'll swing straight into Laura. Laura is in the Upper East, Upper West, sorry, the Upper West region. I don't want to mention the old region, the new region. Charlie, they confuse me. Me, I'm done with social studies. <laughs> I'm going to mention the old regions. Laura is found in the Upper West region, and that's one of the few swing constituencies in that region. They are represented by Anthony Abayifa Kabo of the MPP and Zedek. Bedzedin. Okay, thank you. Bedzedin of the MP of the NDC. Sorry. Um, Laura's voter turnout has been 2008 and 2016 currently for the MPP. And the NDC has taken 1996, 2000, 2004, and 2012. And why? I don't think this is uh, um, giving us a vibes, right? Because 2004, no. um, MPP won presidential elections, but Laura gave it to NDC. What do you I think, think, in your honest opinion? You see, in, in, in such constituencies, the, 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 the voting pattern more on relationship line 
what is the relationship between the parliamentary candidate or the contestant candidate and the electorate. Bidzidin is an old force in Ghanaian politics as a whole, especially in NDC. Anyone who knows history of NDC Ghanaian politics knows Bidzidin. I think, I wouldn't say he's a spent force, but I think his time has passed. He's still holding on to the old flame and it might not work because Cabo is very, very energetic, young. I, I followed Cabo's campaign keenly four years ago, how he captured that seat. And he's still going on about that, that way, face-to-face interaction with the people, being closer to the people. I, le- I learned his, he has spent the last three months in the constituency. So okay. straight up, I'll go for Cabo. He's going to maintain the seat. I'll go for Cabo straight up. Okay. Because even when he was his party was in opposition, he was able to strangle and win the seat. And he mm-hmm. consolidated. So straight up, I'll go for Cabo. He will win the seat again. Okay. David, who are you going for? Um, I'll... This this constituency it's 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 very interesting because of the nature in which Cabo won. And the reason why I'm, I'm interested in this constituency that um, is showing how our politics is going to change in Ghana because mm. you know Cabo won because of I mean his father was a chief, but Cabo also won for the first time for MPP in that constituency and, and, and Cabo Cabo represents the new type of that we would have or we are about to have or we are experiencing the new breed of MPP politicians, you know, and comparing Carlo to the kind of politicians that MPP have had years, this is quite different because he's very vociferous, he's very, he's very outspoken. So, and like you said, Benzidin, who most likely is an old force. I understand why NY didn't want to spend for it, but it almost was like spend for it because he's been in a local politics for since, since 1994. So I think, and bear in mind, NDC, um, there was an independent candidate, Samson, who was the former, the, he was incumbent at that time, but he lost on the ticket of NDC. So, you know, we're going to have that being played out. If supporters are going to vote for him or is going to come. Mm. So I think that would determine where the vote will go. Those 5,000 or 3,000 votes. Mm. If they're going to go for Cabo or votes. Mm. But either way, in any place, if they go for, if they split 50, then Cabo will retain the seat. I mean, for the new party, I think Cabo will retain the seat. This one, I'm siding with you guys. Um... <laughs> no, 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 no. We don't need it. We really do not need it. For okay, fine. Sake. For banter sake. Bed Zidin should win. Yeah, win. That's my take. That's my take. We move. So let's go to another interesting constituency. New Edubiase. And you know, when I was I was preparing this outline, New Edubiase particularly caught my eye when I was checking out their statistics. They are in the Ashanti region, if I'm not. Yeah, it's in the Ashanti region. Yeah. It's, and it's New Edubiase is the last but one constituency in Ashanti region before you cross to the central region. Yes. From New Edubiase, you move to K 
KT Hammond's constituency, that is uh, Adansia Sokwa. Oh, okay. So it was quite interesting for me because prior to doing this research and, and giving out the episode online, my, my whole focal mind was that Ashanti region is predominantly an MPP stronghold. And um, here I come checking out Nui Dubiase. And they are being represented by George Buahini Drew of the MPP, Odro, sorry, of the MPP, and Adams Abdul Salam of the NDC. Um, interesting bits. The NDC have taken 1996, 2000, 2004, 2008, and the 2012 elections. It was just this last election, 2016, that went to the MPP. This is quite interesting. And um, doing more research, I found out it was because in 2016, it was because of voter apathy and a couple of other things. Um, Tego, who do you think is going to um, carry this um, doing constituency at the end of the day? You know, would, 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 I think you knew Dubiasi would swing back to the NDC. And what people don't realize is that New Dubiasi has a few settlers, like you said, settlers from Central Region, settlers from other walks of life. And it's a thriving town. You know, there's a football club in a local union in there's, uh, there's quite some development there. There are a few settlers there. So that is how come we have NDC, you know, gaining a lot of traction in that seat. So I think it would, it would swing back to the NDC. Oh, okay. And why? Kumo, I would have to agree with uh, David on this one. Uh, if you look at the the trend since 96 until 2016, it has always been NDC. So that voter party. I, I know that constituency a little bit. So personally, I do not consider New Edibiasi a swing constituency. It is basically an NDC safe seat in the Ashanti region. You add that to Asawase and uh, uh, this place, Adjasi Chudumase. The, the issue is that when you, New Edibiasi, you know, last, you cannot take away the pattern of the voting pattern of tribal and ethnic lines away. If you look at that constituency as a whole, not in the new Adubiase township on its own, and if you are looking at the surrounding towns like Pumso, Ayuade, and all those places, you realize that there are a lot of settlers from other tribes, other regions in there. Pumso, Pumso for example, is predominantly Ewe. Predominantly 80% of the inhabitants they are away. If you go to Ayeunto, you will find a lot of our brothers from the north settled there. So all these play a critical role. If you look at the constituency numbers, you realize that in the new Adishbiasi township itself, the NPP almost certainly wins it. But when they bring the vote from the other surrounding communities, it turns out to favor the NDC. Though I will agree with David, the sweet. The seat will swing back to the NDC. I know Chamaun to me is promising to deliver 47 out of 47 for NPP in the Ashanti region this year, but it's going to be difficult. He might do 45 over 47. I'm on the fence on this one. I don't think I know who is going to win. Um, I think probably. Oh, the, the NDC will take the seat. Wow. NDC will take. I, I'm yeah. really on the fence. Yeah. So let's get into the next constituency, which I think is NY's constituency, Cape Coast North. 
which I think is relatively a new constituency, right? Because per the facts, NDC won in 2012 and MPP won in 2016. So I think it's a newly created constituency. It covers some parts of UCC environment. Every, every part of UCC. Every part okay. of UCC. Every UCC part of UCC. Yeah. 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 Stretching out to Kakundue, Wesley Girls. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Abra, Pedu, Interbetting, those areas. Oh, okay. Did you say Interbetting? Yeah. Betting, like sports bets, betting. No, 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 no. Interbetting. <laughs> the, oh, okay. the regional hospital, that's how it's called. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, standing on the ballot is Barbara Asha, AEC of the MPP and Kwame Namintanyakon of NDC. Granted that it's NY's constituency, it's only fair we let him speak on that, uh, on the constituency, on who he thinks will win, even though I, I feel like we know who he thinks would win. But let's still give him a chance to say let, that. And then David, let, me, let, 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 me, let me tell you. <clears throat> It's not going to be easy for who I want to win. Oh, okay. That is Barbara. You oh, see? okay. Barbara, uh, the constituency, as you rightly said, was created out of, it was just Cape Coast constituency and was divided into North and South. Mm -hmm. NDC won the South 2012, 2016, and NPP won the North 20, NDC won the North 20, 2012, and NPP came to win 2016. The issue here with Cape Coast North is the fact that the NDC is coming in with what we people popularly call a known person. Kwamina, I mean, Dr. Kwamina, he's a doctor, so let me wear He has a PhD in business finance. Mm -hmm. He's a lecturer at UCC. Dr. Kwamina Mintenyako was born here. He was born at Pibu. So he's a known person. He's lived here all his life. And also he's captured the university community. I know people who are aligned to NPP, but due to their relationship with Kwamena, Dr. Kwamena Mintanya, they are going to vote for him. Barbara has also lost a bit of goodwill amongst the people, especially the people around the surrounding neighbors of UCC. Apewusika, uh, Amamoma, Akotoche, those areas, because the kind of developments they were expecting to see from her, they have not gotten it yet. So she's not a bit of good. What would have, one thing that might help Barbara is the fact that Kwamena had a long legal battle with regards to his registration. I think you heard about it. He had to go to court. Uh, Ejujita Maklu was his lawyer. He had to move from the Cape Coast High Court to an appeals court in Accra before he. So Kwamena lost a bit of campaign time, about five to six months of serious campaign time. So that is the only advantage Barbara currently has. You see, and one thing that not, is not going to help Barbara is the fact that a lot of students did not register on campus because Tescon has numbers on campus, huge, huge, huge numbers on campus. And unfortunately, all of them could not register on campus. The last time I checked, the number of test home people who were able to register on campus were not even up to 100. So Kwamina stands a chance. It's a 50-50 thing, but if I was to stick my neck out, I might go for Kwamina. Yeah, NDC. Yeah, so Kwamina NDC. That's an yeah. interesting choice by NY. David, 
what's your take on um, that constituency? Barbara, you see, winning was refreshing because um, she's an I think a teacher. I don't know if it's a teacher on old girl or Wesley yeah, girls. I think it was, was refreshing. A, she was a teacher. She was a teacher at Wesley girls. High yes. So we had, we were excited, thinking that I mean, we're excited having a fresh face. I don't know if she was a minister. She is a deputy I, minister. Yes. Of education. No, not education. I think she will move from education to a different ministry. She started okay. at education, secondary, education. Yeah, but she's been moved. Uh-huh. I think, yes. I think that's why we haven't felt an impact because in the beginning, we're, we're excited during her nomination, her vetting that we had fresh, somebody straight from academia who had been in the system because, you know, our educational system, actually, educational system everywhere is very integral in the nation building. And people were happy that we were actually putting people, not party, not job for the boys, but people who, we're actually active in active education. Um, I think Minta has had a protracted, protracted legal battle, but the numbers are very, the margin is very small. So if um, people on campus won't go because of COVID, I think it would adversely affect Barbara. So I, I, would, I would go for Minta as well. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> David, the, the interesting thing is that currently, if you are looking at only campus, if you are looking at only campus, and you are voting just on campus, mean coming up in time are all way. And the one other thing is that NPP's biggest area in the constituency, that is the Pedro Abra area. That is yes, where Kwamina was. Yeah, that is where Kwamina was born. He was born at Pedro. He grew up at Pedro. So the Pedro people know Kwamina even much more than Barbara. Because Barbara was at Kakundo. Yes, so Kakundo. The, 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 the constituency, very, very likely, probability, 8 out of 10, going for Kwamina. Yes. Okay. All right. So all of you are voting for So for Bantal, choose Barbara. Oh, but me, I'm voting for Barbara, though. Me, I'm me, on the fence on this. I'm, really I'm voting for Barbara. Oh, okay. I'm voting for Barbara. Okay. Yes. My informed opinion, would you think that Kwamina might win this? Yeah. Or it might be a closely contested yeah. event? Okay. I, okay. So, for me, I'm sitting on the fence on this. I don't know. I, I guess that maybe it might be a bit disappointing. And, and, and that happens every time. We think that the fact that somebody is in education means that they'll be able to enforce policies for education. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. <laughs> but hey, well, um, let's go into the last swing constituency, which is one of the constituencies I'm very interested in because of the contestants. So let's go into Lejakuku. Lejakuku, and they are represented by the MPP candidates Bernard Okoboy, who is like the COVID champion of our time and deputy minister for COVID affairs. <laughs> and and, and why well, laughing? <laughs> but was it he brought it to fight COVID? <laughs> okay, and um, Benjamin Ayikunate um, of the NDC. Um, the voter history is that NDC won in 1996, um, 2008, and 2012. And the MPP won in 2000, 
and 2016. Now, an interesting fact about this constituency. When I did my research, I realized that this constituency is really, really big on getting people to have just one term and then you are out. So the times MPP won, they presented the same person again the second time. That's when they lost. So if you check the history of um, um, parliamentary people who have stood for Ledger Kuku, I think NDC won in 96 and then um, 2000, I think was MPP because they presented somebody. And then 2004, I think they presented another person and then that person won for MPP. Now in 2008, they presented that person that won in 2004 and the person lost. So the MPP won at that point. 2012, I think they presented another person for the NDC and the person won. And then 2016, Okoboy stood for the first time and he won again. Now, I think that personally, I think that the MPP is presenting Okoboy for the second time. And based on the trends, it looks like he might lose. And that's not the only factor. I know this for a fact that Nungua people and Teshi people are very huge on their festival. And I, according to sources and news, this is even sources, news, they were very disgruntled when Okoboy barred them from engaging in their streets, um, their streets festival. Like It's like a street procession. So on that front already, then vex your man. Before I give you the mantle, me, I think that Okoboy will lose this. That's what I think. Um, I think <laughs> no, this you know I don't like. David, you let me know. Let me don't let me stop you. I know anyway. I say that I don't like. It's not about that. But checking the trends, I think that like Dungua people always want a fresh face, and I miss all the other things. I think that Benjamin might win, but David, let's 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 hear your take. Um, I think the constituency covers mainly the Lamami and the Labadi. It's just a small portion of Nungwa. Nungwa is not really dominant. Nungwa is mainly in Krowo. Um, this covers the Labadi and the Lamami and Spintex. Mm-hmm. So um, the main thing that Okuboy has in his favor is that he's the road is done. That's the main thing. That's why Sena Okitibia was kicked out, even though they've had a knack for having a one-term MP. She probably would have won, but that road... That stretches from Lejekuku or into um, from Labadi, from the Wa, uh, not even the Wales. The Lekma Road has been done. It's about 85% done. And I think that's the main campaign promise that he's been able to put out vis a vis also the Labadi Hospital is getting a major facelift. I think these two would put Okoboy in a very comfortable position not comfortable but in a little you know a notch ahead because the voters kept in balance the last election Jomahama won and Okuboe won so I think people personally didn't like Benita because um, I think Jomahama will win in that constituency that's one of the few constituencies that I'll stick my neck out for even the presidential but I think the parliamentary will go get in balance again I think Okuboe will just we just edge it Okay, Emma, what do you think about this constituency? <laughs> uh, Peter, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Okuboy will win. 
You see, there are certain things that play key role in decision making when it comes to voting, popularity, perception. People, the the people of uh, what's that constituency again? Lejokuku. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that they will be looking out for is <clears throat> what is sorry, what is the perception people outside our constituency have about our current MP? And you see, out outside Lejokuku, many people consider Okuboy as one of the hardworking MPs in Ghana. Mm-hmm. That's the perception out there, and perception takes a plays a key role. The people in that constituency would not want to lose that. As you rightly called him, the Deputy Minister of COVID Affairs. Mm-hmm. He went when we when we were at the peak of handling the virus, he was one of the people going around explaining things. The mm-hmm. people do not want to lose that. That we have the perception out there is the fact that we have a hard working MP. And Oko Boy has gained a bit of popularity outside his constituency, so you will play a key role in the decision-making in the constituency. No, um, NY, sorry, not to cut you short, but I, okay. don't think that, I don't think that will play a role because these How? are my Ghana people, these indigenous, they, their politics is slightly different. I'll say <laughs> I, because okay. they want, they, um, <laughs> like um, Kumo was saying, their festival is very important to them. Okay. And I think that even with the mask wearing, it hasn't gone down well with them you know look they turn up in their large numbers to register you know even there's been some allegation of intimidation against ayuku because i think the government knows that that seat is you know that that is a very shaky seat mm-hmm. i think that Oko boy on his own personally has done well he's done well in this COVID times he's done well with even the road but i i think he win but he win because he did the road. Apart from good. that, with his personal interaction with them, it's been it's been feisty. Even on the road issue, I don't know if you remember, but 2018, he had a few fights with them. He went there on he went there to work himself. So I think with that road, that road will give him the edge of Aiku. Uh, but not necessarily. I mean, his 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 work for COVID will, will earn him those votes in the Spintex area. And the plaudits outside, but in his constituency, I think is the road not covered. Okay, yeah, I was going to get to the road aspect because one of the reasons why people would want an MP is infrastructure, basically road. So if he did the road, that means he has an advantage. But I was looking at it from a general perspective. But as you rightly explained, that the the current politics is a bit different from what we experience elsewhere. So, but straight up, I'm sticking my net out for Cobot. I know he will win. Baby, that the Komo, this one we can bet. Okay, me, I'm just telling you per the trend. The people are not going mm-hmm. to um Komo. my statistical Komo. trend. You let me finish my fact and then we bet on that. Per my statistical trend, I don't think that the, the people are I don't think that that statistical trend is going to break. That's one. And 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 I think if you look at if you look at Ledger Cuckoo, I think they've had medical practitioners. Being MPs in that seat, I don't think Okobo is the first medical practitioner. Yeah, you know. Sure. So yeah. yes, I think yeah. they've had other medical practitioners winning that seat. So and also his fight for COVID might end him minister health minister when the government wins um, the elections again. But as David said, the festival 
is more important than the COVID. I'm now, telling you, now, don't, don't wear see. your mask. <laughs> see, the, 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 the whole um, um, Teshi, there's this, I've forgotten the name they call it. Is it play or something? Ashi play or something. That's when they have a possession and then people go out and everything. If you look for the videos online, I'll try and send you some links. They were literally singing in Ghana, insulting him and his COVID procedures. And if they have to put go out and do some uh, possession and COVID should kill them, then it really should kill them. That's how wild they are about their festival. And honestly, I feel that if for some reason, and, and this is genuine reasons, if you look at it in the grand scheme of things, this is very genuine reason because it goes against the social distancing practices that we have to do for to prevent the transmission of COVID and everything. But to, as David said, the politics of the Ghana people, it becomes very difficult to make such sense to them. So then there's a bit of voter apathy. And even with the Lekma Road, it took Joy FM to campaign for that to be done. So even though it's, but he has done it, yeah, no, even, yes, but he has done it. Even so that to his credit, done, yeah, to his credit, even though that has been done, there can still be a little degree of apathy in in the sense that we had to pressure you to do it. That's, well, okay. that's I don't think. I don't think I don't think. But I think at the pressure. end of the day, what they will be looking at is has the road been done or not? They will exactly. Look at, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, in the grand yes, scheme it of has things, been. Yeah, it has been done. But I am just because saying, it took somebody eight years to finish, and he did it in his first ten years. So I am just saying. Yeah, let me wrap up my last one till we leave. I think Okuba will take this. Is this the last one or there's one more? Yeah, this is the yeah, last one. Yeah. So yeah, I think the right. the the. the the Ayuku guy is going to offset the seat, and that's my stance. So yeah, we've come to the end of the podcast. Um, I'd like to thank NY and um, David for making it here. NY, Charlie, thank you very much. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you very much for making it and spending time with us. We hope to see you more on the podcast definitely i'll get yeah. time i'll get time and come and talk my mind yeah more. yeah 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 it'd be so it'd be so it'd be so it'd be so so yeah thanks for having thanks, thanks for having thanks me. for coming on to yeah so we pray for a peaceful election and we see the outcome oh, definitely of definitely same time another we'll catch you all right this has been a gold coast report production The mighty embassy ensemble in here. I got my man Optics in here. And I am Ghana's own.